All right, welcome back to another episode of the Major Journey Podcast. Today we have a special guest who is a formally trained clinical cannabis pharmacist and who is the owner and CEO of Alchemist Cannabis Consulting. She is an accomplished, highly driven clinical long-term care and rehabilitation pharmacist with primary focus in pain, mental health, and sexual health medication management. She also holds three patents for natural herbal remedy tinctures, which she helped develop as the head of research and development for an herbal supplement company. And without further ado, I'll leave the rest of her incredible journey and accomplishments for her to tell. Please welcome Dr. Leah Johnson. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much, Dr. Leah. Thank you for taking the time out of, uh, out of all the endeavors that you're involved with uh, to be here with us. So I think a great place to start would be, you know, how did you become Dr. Leah in, in the cannabis space and, and how, did, how did that journey un- unpack itself? So it's, it's been a long journey with a lot, a lot of roadblocks, um, I think, which is an experience a lot of people have had. Um, I actually started off actually in the herbal field, not as a pharmacist, and um, with the research and development, uh, as a research and development scientist for the herbal supplement company. And I loved natural Chinese herbs. They're fantastic. They're so effective. And it was amazing to get to like actually formulate. It was almost like a game or fun. It wasn't really like, it was a job, but it was like, so much fun to get to say, you know what, I want to work on something that's going to help with blood stasis or, you know, um, or with weight loss or with energy. So my patents were actually for products in uh, skincare with uh, using cocoa extract. Um, And also with um, energy It was like an energy drink where we use rayubos, which is a type of sugar, but it's um, that breaks apart easily. So it's not like um, sucrose or glucose, which is which kind of can't really get broken down. So you end up absorbing it and storing it. Um, so it really kind of helped to boost your energy. So it was a blast. I loved it. Um, but I got kept getting a lot of questions about, can I take this with this medication? Can I take your tincture with this medication? And my answer was always, I don't know. So I'd have to like, look it up. And then as I was looking it up, I, I really got fascinated about the interactions between medications And what I realized more than anything is my goal was to really help people. How can I help people get on the best therapy? Because I love the Chinese herbs. I knew that they were effective. I knew it was great products. So obviously there's a big question on the utilization of herbal supplements with medication. So I was like, you know, this was enough to make me really curious and want to actually go to pharmacy school. So I went to pharmacy school. Um, I was supposed to do a senior project on um, cannabis. Sadly, um, it got kicked out because of the fact that um, the research was not in the US, Mm. which is such a shame. Um, But then I went on and, um, you know, long story short, I actually um, went from different places in pharmacy until I finally went to long term care, um, where I felt I actually was doing like, I had almost the most hands on ability to help patients. So um, we started utilizing uh, Marinol in my um, hospice patients mm-hmm. um, because um, for long-term care, they're all um, uh, CMS, uh, Center of Medicare Services. So they're all federal, they're all federal organizations for the most part, uh, Medicare, Medicaid that pay for these patients. So you can't have, you know, the tinctures are fantastic. There are so many products that'd be so effective for these patients. But at the end of the day, we had to use what was allowed. So all that was allowed was really Marinol and Epidiolex has wasn't even out until 2018. So in 2018, we started considering utilizing the Epidiolex at a much lower dose than they recommend for seizures uh, to help with pain. But um, the focus was really Marinol. And, you know, it was just kind of, we hit a point where we're like, well, 
they're not eating, they're on hospice. And the physicians were like, go for it. You know, I mean, we're not worried about what you might change. <laughs> so I changed it to Marinol and the patients started waking up, becoming more alive. They started eating again. And it's amazing. Um, the biggest thing that a lot of people don't understand is, well, or understand, but just don't realize is how important eating and sleeping are to the human body. Just not even medication, just flat out eating and sleeping. If you're eating well and you're sleeping well, it's amazing how much your pain gets reduced because it's restorative sleep, especially your pain gets reduced, your um, anxiety gets reduced um, and you're happier, you're more calm. So that's what we were seeing in our patients is the Marinol was actually helping them eat more, but by eating more, they got more energy. They felt more alive, but it also calmed them. So they weren't edgy or, or nervous or, or worried. So it was fantastic to get to work with this patient population um, and to see so much benefit. It was great because, you know, a lot of providers in, in the space are, are really hesitant about the... Um, are really hesitant about the utilization of cannabis. So, cause you know, everybody hears cannabis and they freak out. Right. So um, I, you know, this was my way to kind of show the providers, look, you know, these patients are not high, you know, these patients are not sedated. These patients are not having psychoactive, you know, they're normal, they're calm. They're, I hate using the word normal, but they're, they're at their baseline. They're at their homeostasis. They're relaxed. And it's all by just slightly affecting and helping the endocannabinoid system, bring them back to baseline. And, and that was really my goal was to show the point of cannabis therapy is not to get high, depending on what your ailment is. Sometimes it is actually if you want to do, you know, for insomnia or something, but it's really to just help your body go back to homeostasis. That's really the goal of cannabis therapy, not the, the sedation, but, but the balance. And by seeing that, the, the physicians were allowing, were then, oh, okay, well, you know, if this worked for them, let's let's try it with some of our other patients. So other patients that weren't, you know, were having trouble eating, a lot of times in therapy for long-term care, they put a patient on an antidepressant um, because the side effect is is increased appetite. But the problem is, is that why would you give an antidepressant to somebody who's not depressed? The side effect could be depression. It could lead to a lot of other issues. So the way I see it and uh, what a lot of pharmacists focus on is, the least amount of medications to get you at your baseline, to get the effect. And so why do, when, when, when Marinol can help with appetite stimulation, when it can help with relaxation, when it can help with pain, why are we going to medications to treat ailments that the patient doesn't have when we can use this medication to treat ailments that the patient does have, even though it's not indicated for those reasons. So that's really what I consider as a shame at this point, because A, Marinol is a synthetic THC, so it's effective, but not at the levels that, you know, a non-synthetic THC would be. So it would be more helpful for a patient to be on lower doses, because what you need to do is you need to up the dose to make it more effective. So if you had a a, a more, um, you know, an actual cannabis derived product, you would see that the, the benefit would be higher for the patients and they'd be able to actually use a low, much lower doses um, to, to help them. I've also helped. Um, the other thing I really focus on a lot is, is really pain management. And my goal more than anything is to get rid of these opioids. I'm sick of them. I want them gone. I, as a pharmacist, and as you'll see, as many, many pharmacists will say, they're, they're horrible medications. They don't even actually fix your pain, which a lot of people think that they do. They actually just cover your pain like a blanket. And they just pretend like, oh, no, I'm not here. 
but your body's kind of smarter than that. So your body will upregulate the receptors on the cells to say, nope, I, I'm still available to feel pain. And then, and then what happens is then, you know, when your medication wears off, now you have more sensory ability to feel the pain than you had originally. So, and, and that's, you know, all you're doing is literally leading a world or an environment of addiction. You have to, because as you, you just keep getting tolerant. So you have to up the dose and tolerant and up the dose. And that's why these patients are on opioids for forever. And the only way to really get them off is to let them, you know, without anything else is really just to cold, like not cold Turkey, but to really like deal with pain. It's like, okay, well, yeah. So to get off of it, you're going to come down a little bit. Yeah. You're going to be in more pain, but just, just tolerate the pain. And that's not something you could, you know, at the end of the day, the person oh. in pain is going to say, forget it. I'd rather be, you know, addicted to these things than be in pain because it just ruins so much of your life to have to be in this chronic pain. So um, the amazing thing about cannabis is it's able to, at very low doses of THC and very low dosage of opioids, you can actually get a real, like, I mean, an insignificant dose of opioids, which would be like a 1.25 milligrams, which is almost nothing of an, an opioid where as opposed to, I mean, obviously it depends on which medicine it is, but then as, as compared to, you know, and then like, you know, about one milligram of THC, almost anybody will tell you, even cannabis naive patients, one milligram of THC will not affect them mentally. So when you take those two very low doses together, you actually see that they can get a lot of pain relief from that. Mm -hmm. So that's fantastic. So why are we, you know, and that's what I do with patients is I'll leave them on their current opioid therapy, which most of the time should be as needed. And then when you give, you know, I'll say, okay, try the, you know, take this therapy. And uh, again, I work with patients specifically with their healthcare providers. Um, I don't work alone because I myself do not work as a provider. I work as a consultant for patients. So, um, and for companies. So my goal really is just to, is really just to help the patient get them on a good cannabis therapy so that they're not feeling the pain. And then every once in a while, they might need to take a quarter, a half or a quarter dose of their narco, uh, uh, Norco or Percocet or any of their, or their opioid um, to be able to, you know, maybe get the edge off and then, you know, they reduce it a little more and then they realize that they don't need it a little more. And then eventually they say, you know, I haven't really used my, my opioid in like a couple weeks. And it's like, okay, great. So let's move on from this. And and again, the goal is not to be, a lot of people will say to me, well, aren't you just switching one medicine for another? And it's like, no, we're actually not because a lot of my patients have finally gotten off the cannabis therapy once they've gotten their opioid therapy under control. Once the opioids are gone and they're not having that upregulation of pain and they get the cannabinoids, they get themselves to a very low dose of cannabis or no cannabis, or they can get themselves onto just the CBD as opposed to the THC and the CBD. And it's just amazing to see, you know, they're functional again, they're not in pain and they're able to live life. And that's, and that's really the goal again, like I said, to bring it back to homeostasis. That's, I, I love all of that. And one of the things, one of the cool things that's really underlying a lot of what you just said, and you and I talked previously before the show, um, but one of the things I admire about you and your work is that it seems like you're not 100% against pharma, right? And working together with them towards the end goal of patient care, right? That's what we're all here for, just to help others feel better and make it through. So can you share with us why you may decide to take a more objective approach to being open and willing to work with, with pharma uh, and not necessarily so 1000% against them as long as it's being done in the right way? Absolutely. So 
Um, a couple things. I, I am one of those people that I am not a strong one way or another with a cannabis thing. I think that both sides have things that we should look at. Um, I, I've worked with people who are 100% cannabis is bad. It's a dirty drug, horrible. It's just a it's recreational. It's only going to lead to other things. And I've had the plant medicine is only pharma is the devil and that kind of thing. And the, what I try to explain to people is at the end of the day, like I said, what the goal of the pharmacist is, is to get you on the best therapy at the lowest dose. That's the most effective for you. So, you know, is, has, has study, have studies shown that cannabis can have, uh, protect, you know, can help against, uh, protect against cancer. Absolutely. Do we have, do we know what doses do we know? No, we're, we're still working on that therapy. So, I mean, I would definitely say it could be beneficial. I absolutely recommend cannabis therapy for, you know, the nausea and vomiting that come with the, um, the chemo with any, you know, with the, um, just in general with the, um, you know, headache, you know, just the, the pain you feel from the chemo, the, the, you know, anxiety you feel from the chemo, it can be so beneficial for the side effects of the chemo. But at the end of the day, do I, you know, I, I would say, I would tell my patients, I wouldn't recommend getting off your chemo, you know, you know, and that's, that's my biggest thing. Like, you know, blood pressure, you know, I mean, yes, CBD can really help to lower your blood pressure. It's fantastic for that. However, some people just have chronic blood pressure problems that are in, in just already inherent in their system. And something like cannabis is just not strong enough to help them with their blood pressure. So at the end of the day, it's the balance. And that's why I see everything in a holistic sense. Everything needs to be balanced. You need to use, there are pharmacy, there are, I'm sorry, there are supplements that are better than both cannabis and pharmaceuticals for things. There are herbals that are better than cannabis and pharmaceutical for things. Pharmaceuticals are better than those things. You know, cannabis is better for other things. And that's all it is, is in my opinion, no matter how you're utilizing cannabis, no matter how you're utilizing plant therapy, it's therapy. So the question is, how do we take all of this um, mass amounts of different types of therapy that are all really great and utilize them together for that synergistic effect? And the effect to utilize them together, because a little bit of a couple different things can be better than just throwing yourself into pharma or throwing yourself into plant med. You see the benefit of, of a lot of things. So everything for me is just balance. And if I have a patient who wants to start cannabis therapy and we try a couple things and I and it's not really helpful, I'll suggest, okay, well, have you tried glucosamine and chondroitin for your for your arthritis? It's really effective. It actually builds up the synovial fluid in the joints and helps build up that, you know, the breakdown which you see over time. So I am a huge advocate of glucosamine and, and um, sorry, not chondroitin is good too, but I'm actually more of an advocate of glucosamine um, MSM. So like those are fantastic for joint pains. You know, there, there's, it's just, it's all about the, the bringing it all together and understanding the med, which is why I'm just such an advocate of working with a healthcare professional that understands everything. They understand the meds, they understand, or the prescriptions, they understand the herbals, they understand the plants. They understand the cannabis. They understand the supplements. And you're not really going to get that from a lot of from a lot of providers. So what I then I hope what I always re recommend to my clients or my patients is that if you if your doctor if you're not comfortable talking to your doctor about these things and you and they are trying to steer you away from a direction you'd like to go, then make sure that you start working with a. You can always leave your provider. Find a provider that will help you and is willing to work with you. They might not have to know about plant therapy, but then reach out to somebody like me and I will do a full review of your medication and see 
what a better therapy might be, and then give that recommendation to your doctor who's willing to work with us as a team. So it's really just a team approach. And, you know, at the end of the day, pharmacists have always been deemed the drug experts. So that's what we should be. And we should, and all pharmacists, along with other healthcare healthcare professionals should just really understand if we've got medication that we can utilize to benefit patients, why aren't we doing that? We've got stuff out there. And I mean, and there's plenty of times when you use a medication and say, oh, that didn't do anything. Well, why are we keeping it on and adding another one? We should be removing it, starting from scratch and saying, well, that didn't work. Well, why don't we focus on what's causing the issue? So, you know, blood pressure, high blood pressure could be caused by a bunch of things. It could be diet. It could be, you know, maybe an issue with the, you know, your kidney function. It could be so many things because there are processes down there um, that actually work to regulate your blood pressure. And that's how like ACE inhibitors work. So that's why it's so important to make sure that like you're focusing. So if you've got stuff, you know, going on, if the ACE inhibitor is going to work better, why are you putting somebody on something that's going to affect their heart and make it work, you know, make it beat slower to control their blood pressure? Focus on what's really causing the issue. And that's, I think, what we do as pharmacists is our focus is what caused it. And at the underline, I would rather remove and remove and remove and like strip people away from their medications until we find out what the root problem is. And I mean, I, I've done that with, with one of my other patients. She came to me. She was really anxious, found out three of her medications were being taken wrong, including her anti-anxiety. So like as soon as we fix that, then it's like, oh, OK, now she you know, has the chance to go back down to not needing anything. And that's my real goal as a pharmacist is I don't like I don't like to have to, to my patients or myself to have to take anything unless I absolutely need it. So there's the body is an amazing device. Just give it a little bit of a boost and you can help work it out. And then obviously, you know, focus on food. I mean, food is food is a medicine, too. It's what fuels our body. So if we're using you know, food that's not, you know, food that's going to add, you know, um, cholesterol to us and other things, it's going to make us move slower. So we have to remember we're like, our bodies are a machine. They're a well-oiled machine and the best fuel you can give them is what's going to make the body function better. And I, I, and that's why I always like cannabis because cannabis and plant therapy are in that model to like really help the body function as best as it can. Yeah. And so how do you think, and obviously this is a, this is a lofty question here and I'm, I'm aiming high, but how do you think we get to that point where it just becomes so much more accustomed to have that conversation where we're not just leaning towards one way or another, and we're actually able to look at everything the way you described with our physicians, with other people, um, do you think it requires just more research? Do you think it just takes, it's a matter of time and that's not necessarily something that we can, you know, speed up or force. What are some of the obstacles that you see from your perspective that are kind of inhibiting or blocking us from achieving that, that homeostasis in society and in healthcare? Well, so there's a couple different things. I think the stigma is a really bad thing. Um, I know that I believe it was in the 1990s when I believe it was California that first was allowed to do medicinal. Pretty much the providers were told, yeah, you can prescribe for um, you can absolutely prescribe for cannabis. But if you do, then you lose your DEA number and you can't prescribe for controls anymore. Mm. So as a provider, it's like controls or cannabis. Well, all, most of my patients use, a lot of my patients use controls. So why I'm not going to give all this up for that. So that auto automatically was an unfair choice to force a provider to have to decide between one medicine or another. That's pretty much saying like, you're only allowed to choose um, ibuprofen or Tylenol. That's it. You don't have any other options. 
Those are your only two choices. You can't use both one or the other. And, and that's just ridiculous. I mean, to, to, to restrict a provider's ability to learn, that's what all it did was it prov- prevented their, their desire to learn more about it. So, um, I mean, and another thing we need to do is obviously fix the regulation. And this is another thing I'm kind of in the middle of. Some people are absolutely deregulated. There should be no, reg- you know, it should be absolutely whatever. Then the other side that's like, oh my God, it needs to be the strongest control ever. I want to just reschedule it. I, and I think that we should just reschedule it in the idea of what the schedules actually refer to. And I mean, and I honestly don't know the people who want to do these things. I don't know if they know the terms of the schedule. I mean, as a pharmacist, that's what we're taught is a C2 is it is very addictive. It is both physical and psychologically addictive. And it is like at the most addictive and has the most potential for harm and addiction. Three is just a step below there. It is still uh, physically and mentally addicting, but n- not as much. And, you know, you, it, the tolerance is not as high. Then a four is actually usually, it's usually actually mentally, uh, like uh, mentally addicting, not physically addicting. In other words, um, and tramadol is actually a great example of that. Tramadol is not physically addicting. It's not like an opioid where you're like, or, or like a narc, um, like a Percocet or all those where you're just like, oh my God, like I really need my next pill. You don't get that. However, it does give you a slight euphoria because it has, uh, it works kind of like an, it has antidepressant effects a little bit. So it kind of pops you up a little bit, makes you a little peppy. Well, hey, if if you've been in pain and not only are you out of pain now, but now you feel good, that's going to lead to mental addiction. You're going to want to keep taking those. So that's, that's the problem. And that's why they're a C4 because yep, they need to be controlled, but it's not, you know, it's not physically. It's just, you just want it because they felt good. And then, you know, you got to step down from that. So for, in my opinion, I personally would put cannabis at a four or five. I would say it's not physically addicting. You don't need it or you're, you know, or, or you, you're, you're going to go and have a withdrawal by any means. But at the same time, it, it, you know, you're, you do want it and it, it does cause psychological effects. So, I mean, I personally would put alcohol uh, on a, on a schedule as well, because the same thing, it actually is physically addicting as well as mentally addicting, but the whole point is I would put that on it because anything that will should alter your mental your mental capacity is something that you should always be monitoring patients use for. So alcohol, um, opioids, um, any and any sort of medication that can affect the brain, because I mean, can you get in a car and drive on any sort of substance that fuck, that that like like um, that makes you like forget like your mental ability and your um your motor motor control, um, you need to be regulated because you can cause an accident. So that's why I think it should be regulated. I think it should be scheduled. I think it should be much lower scheduled. Um, and I think that by getting rid of a schedule, you're getting you're causing more problems because by getting rid of the schedule, you're just saying, oh, no regulations. And sadly, we saw what happens in California. Okay, no, you know medicinal is like gone in California. Yeah, they say they have medicinal people can can get cards. But why go to a doctor and get a card when you can just go walk into the dispensary without the card? It's pointless. What the doctors were supposed to have done is do a full comprehensive review like I do with my patients. Make look at their blood work, look at all their meds, look at all their labs, make sure everything looks good and see what they can fix. And then utilize the cannabis therapy to help them fix their ailment, which is what is supposed to be. But without the utilization of the healthcare provider in the proper format, you don't get that. So it's a mix between the, you know, 
the schedule is a problem because anything that's a schedule one, nobody's going to look at. Even cocaine is a schedule two drug because they still use it for ocular surgery at times. So the fact that it's that, that cocaine is a C2, but cannabis is a C1, it just it makes no sense to me. So that's why I really think it needs to be rescheduled. So that way providers would feel more comfortable looking into it. That, get that in there. The other thing I also is, is it, there's a huge stigma around cannabis, but there's an even bigger stigma around smoking cannabis. And I think the biggest problem is the focus is, oh, well, you know, it's, a smoking is bad. Smoking anything is pretty much bad. Mm. And, you know, then you've got the, oh, well, cannabis. Oh, they're druggies. Oh, you know, it's all that, that horrible stigma where there are plenty of ingestible cannabis abilities. And the amazing thing about them is you can utilize them without the, the feeling of the high. And it's, it's ridiculous because, I mean, you can use a vaporizer, let's say, that is a four to one CBD to THC. So CBD dominant. And you can inhale that vape, uh, that vaporizer and actually, you know, and what you'll see is you'll feel immediately relief of your anxiety and your pain. Cause usually those are the most, that's usually the quickest thing you feel mm -hmm. is you feel more relaxed and calm. And if you have pain, you'll see that the pain actually starts waning away, but because it's a four to one or five to one or three to one, depending on the tolerance of the patient, what you notice is like, oh, the vape works immediately. This is kind of one of those things where th smoking is not supposed to be like, oh, they're potheads, they're smoking. It's supposed to be the fastest way of getting the medication into your system. And so I normally wouldn't, you know, for especially for people who have never utilized cannabis before or who are not smokers, I don't recommend the uh, flower because you're not a smoker. Why would you start smoking? But vaping, I do recommend. And the reason, it, and especially for the people who have cancer and who are in chemo, when you are feeling like you're going to vomit immediately and you need something to get rid of that horrible nausea immediately, take a couple puffs of that vape and it will immediately relax your system, relax your body and calm your whole system down. And it, it's, that's the whole thing is when people are going through pain, they want instant relief. When they are going through nausea, they want instant relief. When they're anxious, they want instant relief or the people around them want them to have instant relief so they don't have to deal with it. Yeah. Say that because I have severe anxiety. So I put my husband's like, go, go take your medicine. Go. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing that, that I see is that we have to show providers that this, that the stigma is there for no reason. We have, and when I, and there are times I'll have, a, I'll have, I've had conversations with like hardcore cannabis is bad type of providers. And I've said, okay, and they keep saying marijuana or pot. And I'm like, oh, cannabis. And so I always respond with, well, cannabis, da, 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 da. Because at the end of the day, it's cannabis. It's not right. pot. It's not marijuana. It's cannabis. It is the name of the plant. It's the name of the chemicals inside the plant or the cannabinoids. It is cannabis. So I'm very, I and I won't back down on that. So they can keep using whatever term they want. I'm going to keep bringing it back. And what you notice is at the end of the conversation, they start using the terminology because you won't stop using the terminology. Mm -hmm. So I don't use the term recreational use because in my my opinion, there's no such thing as recreational use. Why would you take a med why would you take anything if it wasn't benefiting you in some way? So, you know, so my so I always say adult use because 18 and you know, I believe it's actually 21 and over can use it. So it's adult use cannabis. And so I and I always do that. So when I'm talking to the provider, they were just on, oh, 
And then I just would say, okay, well, um, do you know about the endocannabinoid system? Almost always the answer is no. Because the, the craziest thing is the endocannabinoid system is one of the largest systems in the body, if not the largest. And the fact that we have made almost no medications in the pharmaceutical field to benefit the endocannabinoid system directly is fascinating to me because it's like, this is here. And we and not only does it exist, but we actually make our own endocannabinoids. Our system makes endocannabinoids. We already have them in our body. And the funny thing is, it's called anatomide. And anatomide is identical, or not identical, but very similarly chemically structured to THC. And then you've got 2-AG, which is another endocannabinoid, which is very similar to CBD. So we have these things in our body. The only reason we need to utilize an outside source if, if we have some sort of damage to an endocannabinoid system is because our body is not able to make the endocannabinoids that we need because of some dysfunction to the system. Hence why we go to an outside source, which is no different than your body's not functioning properly. You take a medication to help your body function properly. Same exact concept. And so I just explain it to them on that. So I go explain the endocannabinoid system, explain how it works, explain where the receptors are, explain that it's so safe for the fact that it downregulates, which means that there's little receptors all over cells that can you know, absorb things and to, to receive messages from the body. So if you have too much THC floating around in your body, what happens is these receptors pull in and they say, nope, there's too much going around. We, we obviously don't need as many receptors because there's too much flying around. We're obviously going to catch it. We don't need more to catch the one or two that are out there, the chemicals that are out there. So it sits, it pulls into the cell and then that way you have THC floating around the body, but it's not being utilized. And that's how your body is able to protect itself. So you don't overdose and you don't get to that point. And that's another thing that you know, providers don't know or, or see. The other thing is the concept of CBD to THC and the relevance of the two. A lot of people are afraid of cannabis because of the fact that they're like, well, THC, and, and when I say cannabis, I mean THC, CBD, the cannabinoids, mm -hmm. just everything, terpenes. Um, but the problem is, is that they see it as, they see THC. They don't realize, they see cannabis, but they don't realize what they're seeing is THC. They're not seeing cannabis. They're really just seeing that one chemical. And the funny thing is for a lot of treatments, you actually utilize a ton more CBD than you use THC. You actually, the balance is usually high CBD, low THC. So when I explain, and, you know, so doctors are like, oh, well, what if my patient overdoses and they get really, you know, they get stoned and they go driving and kill someone. And I'm like, well, the great thing about THC is it gets balanced out by CBD. So if somebody does have too much THC, they can take CBD and it will actually bring pull them back down and actually help them be more functional and actually reduce that psychoactive effect. And when I'm able to explain the here's a here's a reversal agent technically, here is how to properly use it, here is how why you use it, here's how it works in the body, then the awareness starts. Then the ah, okay, I'm willing to listen and learn more about this. Because you're pulling it away from the, I mean, it's no different than, I mean, I could talk about literally any drug on the market, include plants, not plants, and make it into a drug. I mean, we can call like, you know, purple syrup, you know, or purple, purple drink, which is actually hydro, which is actually um, promethazine with codeine. Mm -hmm. And it's called purple drank. Well, yeah, I mean, calling it purple. I don't go around and say, well, let me tell you about purple drank and why it's really, really <laughs> effective for you and why it's really great for your cough. No, because I'm not going to use the street term for a medicinal product. 
Hence right. why I will not use pot or, or weed to speak about cannabis. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's all about the education. It's all about bringing people back around and telling them you're missing, you're missing something in your, in your knowledge. And I'm just here to educate you on what you're missing and to show you that by being a lot of times, the reason why the negativity is there is because of the lack of knowledge. It's all hearsay. It's the same thing that right now, um, vaccine hesitancy is so big. Because of the fear, because of the media, because of getting the, oh, God, you're going to like get you're, you're going to get sick from it. Oh, my God. No, the vaccines are to protect. You. So I, I am I am all about meds and reducing them and using as minimal as possible to get the most benefit. And it, and that's and that's why I think it's real. That's the problems with the connections. It's, you know, and it's. I feel like sometimes it's also how cannabis users present themselves and nothing against cannabis users. But I think that the people who I see as strong cannabis patients, which, again, is kind of anybody who's cannabis, in my opinion. But the, the ones who, you know, the ones that the physicians don't know about are the ones that you can't tell are using it because they're using it in a way to help with their daily ailments. So if you can, if a do- I, 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 I could even say to a doctor, well, what do you think of that person? Oh, I think they're fine. Do you know that they use cannabis every day for their pain? What? Yeah. You know, obviously I wouldn't tell somebody, but you know, it'd be in a thing, you know, but like, you know, people just see it as, you know, and so when people are kind of promoting it as, yeah, let's get high, it really takes away from the benefit and it ta- and adds the stigma. So more it's, it's, it's educating the providers as well as educating the cannabis users of, we want to make this reputable, right? So we need to treat it reputably. You know, if you're going to go and, and smoke to relax and that's what you, you know, instead of having a, people have a glass of wine or a couple glasses of wine when they get home every day. So if they have a glass of wine every day to calm down, some people smoke every day to calm down. But to, but you also don't shove your wine in somebody's face because then people will think you're an alcoholic. So there's no reason to shove your cannabis usage in somebody's face. Use it as a, you know, discuss it as a medicine, talk about it as a medicine, and people will understand it's a medicine. That's a great way to put it. I love that analogy at the end too, with the wine. <laughs> um, no, that's, that's absolutely amazing. Uh, Dr. Leah, so how does Alchemist Cannabis Consulting fit into the modern day cannabis industry? And if somebody wanted to reach out to you, um, what are typically some of the reasons why, why patients reach out to you on a regular basis? Sure. So what I, the reason why I do this in general is because I was doing consulting um, without the utilization of herbal and cannabis prior, because you can't use a lot of things a lot of times with Medicare and Medicaid patients. But the reason why I want to do this in general is because not just cannabis, but medications in general, how, I mean, I mean, you've, I'm sure you've gone to a doctor and your doctor has prescribed you a medicine. How thoroughly have they gone over that medicine with you with the side effects, what to look for, how, you know, make sure to take it, how to take it with certain foods and stuff like that. I mean, you know, I'm assuming they haven't, you know, they say, Oh, you're, you've got this, here's a med, go pick it up at your pharmacy. That's it. And if, if that's all you get, how are you supposed to learn anything? I mean, it doesn't tell you that you, and you assume well, the doctor gave me the med. So obviously the doctor knows enough about the med. So obviously I don't need to know about the med because the doctor didn't say anything. And, you know, what the doctor should do is if they don't have the time to educate on the medication, which sadly a lot of providers know very little about medication. I hate to say that, mm-hmm. but I always try to reiterate that, that doctors really have one, uh, not just doctors, but providers 
have, which are providers are the people that write prescriptions. So physicians and uh, nurse practitioners, PAs, um, they have about one semester of pharmacology and their entire, entire curriculum. Pharmacists have pharmacology and med chem, which is pharmacology or therapeutics is how the medicine works in the body is, is like what treats the body and like what meds to use for the different ailments and when to use one med versus another. Medchem is actually the dig down and it's actually how those chemicals in that pill, in that drug directly work on the body. So these are things that like most providers have never gone over. They know, oh yeah, I, oh yeah, I have blood pressure. Okay, use that med. Well, why are you using that med? How does that med actually do what you're looking for in the body? And the people that know this is the pharmacist, but nobody has ever, nobody recommends, oh, here's this medication. The pharmacist will speak with you about it. And a lot of times, and I hate to say this because I have a, I, I know a lot of great providers. Mm-hmm. I also know a lot of providers that purposely will not say that because as soon as patients say, wait, why would I talk to my pharmacist about the med? If you're the one prescribing it, shouldn't you know about the med and tell me about it? The, the answer is we're, we know about the meds. And so at the end of the day, the patient might say, well, why aren't you prescribing? And then that takes the power of the pad away from the, the providers. And at the end of the day, just same reason why they stopped. They didn't switch over to, to prescribe for cannabis and they stayed with using their, their controls mm-hmm. because it's the power of the pad. And again, not all, please don't get me wrong. It's not all providers. Again, I know a lot of great providers that really dig down and try to learn as much as they can about meds and, and will work with me and other pharmacists to really learn. But a lot of providers are out there who don't know meds, will just do what they've done every single time. And they'll do a bunch of labs and they'll say, everything looks fine. I don't know what's wrong. Obviously, it's just in your head. Because I, I know I have family members who have sadly gone through this. And I've gone through their meds and said, well, this med can cause this. Let me just take just just, you know, talk to your doctor that you're going to stop using it. Stop using it. Feels fine. Totally fine. Lab levels are perfect. There's literally no reason to be on that med. But they were put on it because maybe you need it. And, and that's a terrible reason to be put on a med. So so really, like, um, what I do is, is I help patients with, you know, I, I usually end up getting the patients that are like, I'm at my wit's end. I'm sick of this. I've gone through my doctor. I've literally gone through absolutely every med possible for this ailment. I'm sick of it. Help me. And again, some of my patients end up on cannabis or plant therapy. Some don't. Some end up on, you know, recommendations for their prescriber for different um, medications or a different different timing or a different administration of medications to help benefit the patient. So really, that's what I do is I just, I take in patients, I review all of their labs, all of their past medical history, all of their meds, including supplements, herbals, everything. Mm -hmm. And then after doing that full comprehensive review, I work with them on here are some things I want it that I want to point out that I see as a problem, you know, and then I write a full um, review for their provider. And I always make it very clear. I'm not your provider. I'm helping, you know, I'm I'm consulting on, you know, to consult you to, to help your provider. And then, um, you know, they, they bring the recommendation to their provider, the provider, provider, you know, looks at, and if they have any questions, their, their provider is more than welcome to follow up with me, ask questions. Why would you, you know, what I saw you recommended this. I usually explain why, so they usually don't need to follow up with me, but, um, I'm always there for that, but that's what I do with Alchemist Cannabis Consulting is really, whether it's cannabis or not cannabis, I focus on fixing the patient's medication because that, at the end of the day, 
a lot of times the medications are causing the problem. So we need to fix those. So the problem is not there anymore. And it's, it, it's been really great to see like a lot of people saying, huh, I'm on a lot less than I started with and I'm not on anything extra and I feel better. I'm like, because meds are bad. <laughs> and, and I don't, and I don't mean like, and I, I just like, you know, don't put things in your body unless you really need them in your body. So, you know, and that's, and that's my biggest thing. So, I mean, um, usually patients can reach out to me directly. Um, I work, I'll work with any patient. Um, I really try to stick with the United States just because as a pharmacist, I'm only licensed in, in the United States. Um, but, but the reason I do work with other states, even though I, um, is because I, again, I consult with their provider in that state. I am not dispensing medication for them in that state. So, um, and I never dispense meds. Um, I will work with them on, especially patients who have dispensaries. I will work with them on finding a good dispensary for them. Mm -hmm. I actually will help them vet dispensaries because I've called dispensaries and gotten really bad responses. So I will literally go and I will call different pharmacy uh, dispensaries and I will actually give them kind of a trick question and not trick, but like kind of give them a question that if they don't know proper therapy, they will get wrong. Mm-hmm. And, um, my question usually is, um, my patient has come in with a sublingual, a two to one sublingual that's 10 milligrams by five milligrams, you know, but you don't have it in stock. What, you know, you don't have the, the sublingual tablet in stock. What would you recommend for them? And sometimes I've gotten, what's a sublingual? I'm like, okay, well, and I'll say, you know, it goes under your tongue. Okay. Well then, yeah, well, we have two to one gummies and I'm like, okay, well, it's been great talking to you. I'll chat with you later and bye. And then find another dispensary where it's like, okay, well, gummies are long are longer acting. Sublinguals are shorter acting. So no, that was absolutely incorrect information. So that's how I vet them. I make sure that they understand the concept because I know that they're not providing the advice to my patients, but I know that they could accidentally steer my patients wrong, making them think that they're the same. Oh, it's a two to one. Obviously it's the same thing. I have people, I've had dispensaries recommend two to ones to patients where the one I was recommending was like a five, like a, a 10 milligram by five milligram. And they're recommending a two to one. That's like 20 milligrams to 10 milligrams. I'm like, uh, that's a way high dose. Like that's not what I was looking for. And, and that's, and that's really what it is, is so many people focus on ratios. So many people focus on just milligrams. It's, it's a combination of everything. You need to know what is a good ratio to start with for ailments. But I mean, I've had, I've had anxious patients that end up with way more THC than you would normally start them on. I mean, so you start them on the, the traditional 20 to one. Some people do great on it. Some people are like, nope, still, still, still really, you know, it's, you know, my head is just swarming and I'm just thinking and my mind's going, okay, well, if it's in your mind, we definitely need to up the THC a little bit and then we'll kind of shorten it. So do a 10 to one or, and, you know, just keep going down until we get to a point where they're able to control it. And sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes it's, you know, I feel more relaxed, but my head is just kind of groggy and then it's okay. Well, that means we need to really, you know, kind of up your CBD. So what I'll do is I'll either try to do a 40 to one, which is usually hard to find. Um, or what I'll do is I'll just say, okay, along with that supplement, also take this, you know, take this CBD supplement. And then that way the CBD will boost the percentage of the CBD to the THC to help with the um, psycho- psychoactive effects. So yeah, I mean, I'm happy. Um, all they have to do is email me or call me. Um, my my website's not up and running yet because I'm um, really bad at getting that kind of stuff done. So, um, but, but call, um, send me a text, send me a, um, email 
Uh, let me know. Email's probably the best. Let me know that you're interested in learning. And what I, I always provide a free 15-minute consultation with patients, 10 to 15 minutes, just to meet and greet. Because if they're like, oh, I've got this giant tumor and I want to use cannabis only to get rid of it, I'm possibly not the pro I am not the consultant that they probably need. They probably need somebody who A is a cannabis is a oncologist cannabis therapist, somebody who really is just cancer-based but also somebody who might be willing to take that on. I won't because the way I see it is you need to utilize everything that's there available. And I believe that focusing just on plant therapy is not the best way to go always. So, um, so, you know, but if they say, you know, well, honestly, I've just been, I, I have anxiety. I've had chronic anxiety. I am now at a really unreasonable amount of anti um, anxiety meds every single day. I want to be on better therapy. I just can't do this anymore. Great. Let me let me help you and I can get you off of that. So the 15 minutes is just to make sure that they're comfortable working with me. Um, they understand like what the consultation will entail and that I am comfortable working with them and that I feel like I can benefit them because I don't want to waste anybody's time. I'm not going to take a I'm not going to take a patient or a client if if it's something that I personally cannot help them with because I just think that's ridiculous. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I always, you know, you have to help, you know, you have to work and stuff like that. But I mean, it's, it's just, it's ridiculous when I've seen people like, oh yeah, give me all your money and let me just keep charging you. No, I also, I also probably incorrectly only charge a one-time fee for the general consultation. So I will work with a patient. They're like, oh, I did your, you know, I did what I, I talked to my doctor or I talked to my provider. I, I, I started using your therapy, but, or the, that you recommended, but you know, I'm still feeling a little anxious. Okay, great. Thanks for letting me know. Let's let's fix that. Let's follow up. So I'll follow up with my patients once a week or more often if they contact me more often, just until we get them comfortable. Once they're comfortable and I and you know, then they move on. Then if they need to come back, then I have to, well, okay, it's maybe a year or so later. We need well, we need new labs, we need new everything, of course. But in general, like it's a one-time fee. And then once you're stable, you're good. There's no reason why, you know, you're, you're set. And, and, you know, if anything happens on the line, we can do another consultation, but in general, like I don't keep charging my patients. It's mm -hmm. you've paid for the consultation, but I'm going to keep working with you until you get to a good point. Once you're at a good point, you're on your, you're, you're off with your provider. So. Dr. Leah, that's, that's amazing. And thank you so much for the work that you do. Um, and for being so open to, to come on the show today and share your perspective and really just be a treasure chest of information for not just myself. Um, I was really captivated by a lot of the facts that you, that you dropped on us today. Um, but just for, just for the work you do and the impact that you make. So thank you for that. And, uh, and thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. All right. Well, that is it for this week's episode of the major journey podcast. We will be checking in with you next week. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.